an asset is a big cost, but it generally contributes to the business's activities over a long period of time. So depreciation is nothing more or less than allocating the cost of that asset across its useful life to the business so that you are matching cost to contribution to the business. Welcome to the Biology of Business, where we talk about the anatomy and physiology of a business so you can apply your clinical reasoning skills to your business reasoning and create a healthy, sustainable, impactful and profitable clinic. I hope you enjoy listening and subscribe. I'm Kate and this is the Biology of Business podcast. Welcome Richard Stone, who's joining us today. Hello, Richard. Thank you very much. Hello. So, Richard, you're our resident finance expert and are passionate about people knowing their numbers in their practices. And today we're going to be talking about the intangibles within your business. So first of all, Richard, I'd like to hit off with what is an intangible? Well, should we start with what is an asset? Yes, please. Um, it is the, a very, very difficult thing to define in some ways or an easy thing to define in others. Let's just, just say that an asset is a thing that is of value to your business. And it is generally a thing that lasts for longer than your reporting period, which in most cases is, of course, a year. So we will generally have assets which are things we have bought, that we have actually paid money or consideration for, that tend to give a long-lasting benefit to our business. So really obvious might be equipment or it might be the premises right. if you own the premises. Exactly. So we have we have two types of assets. We have tangible assets and intangible assets. Tangible quite literally does mean touchable. So a tangible asset will be something we can touch. Um, our computer, we touch that a lot. So there you go. There's, there's a tangible asset. A car is a tangible asset. A piece of plant and machinery or equipment is a tangible asset. As you say, land and buildings, tangible assets. Uh, intangible assets will be things that are not physical but are identifiable um so for instance if we were to use our computer to create some code some programming code and we were then to go and apply for a patent on that technology and spend money on that patent and incur costs that would be an intangible asset can't touch it you can identify it you can sell it it is separable from the business itself so it, you, I could sell the rights to a patent or a license or a copyright, but I, so, but I can't touch it. Okay, software itself is in a bit of a grey area, so it is probably really intangible. But you will find it in most statements as a tangible asset, um, largely I think because people tend to group it in with the computer that it's sitting on. Okay. So that that the, the intangibles are quite important. And the fact is they are accounted for and they do appear on the balance sheet. All right. Um, they are also uh, amortized over their life. And I used to use, I need to identify the word amortized, which is exactly the same as depreciated. So just to make life interesting for ourselves, we have two different words for depreciation. So we depreciate 
tangible assets and we amortize intangible assets. And I've no idea what the history of that is. Okay, so let's quickly explain what's depreciation and what's the point. Um, we have a, a serious concept we've talked about before and we'll talk about again, that we it is important that we put the, the costs of a business in the same periods as the revenues that those costs have helped to generate. And that's called matching. So the matching principle of, of matching costs and revenues, all right? An asset is a big cost, but it generally contributes to the business's activities over a long period of time. So depreciation is nothing more or less than uh, allocating the cost of that asset across its useful life to the business so that you are matching cost to contribution to the business. So to give you a numerical example, a simple one. So let's say that we've bought a piece of equipment for £120,000. It has a life of 10 years at the end of which it's going to be scrapped. It's going to be worth anything. Okay, so now we've got £120,000 and 120 months. So we would simply divide its value. There are many ways of doing it. The simple way is we divide its value by 120 months and charge £1,000 a month over those 120 months. So you've allocated its cost to those periods throughout which it's um, contributing to the business. So that would be a tangible asset. Same is sort of true of intangibles. You, you need to estimate their life and amortize their cost over that life. Let's let's have a look at a at a, a patent. We know the life of a patent is 16 years. So you could amortize the cost over that. Okay. But so therefore, amortizing depreciation, absolutely the same thing. One's for intangibles, one for tangibles. So if I right. bought for my clinic, if I bought some plinths or some furniture. I could reasonably estimate a lifespan of 10 years and then yep. depreciate based yep. on that. So and divide it by 120, yeah. exactly as this example, and yeah. then just, just allocate. You're allocating that cost and reducing the value of the asset. But, it, but you're not really trying to relate the value of the asset to its market value. It's just simply being the unmatched bit. Okay, so that's why people get very confused with depreciation because they do sometimes try and there is sometimes value to the business in trying to match the carrying cost of an asset with its market value. But that's not really what depreciation is for. It's there to allocate the cost of that asset across the life of the, of the, the, the item. So yeah. could you almost think of it in terms of if you were renting it? So, if, for example, you were renting yes. the equipment, you might be paying on a monthly basis. Correct. So That's absolutely right. Yeah. And that and that and that is exactly why um, some well rental exactly is you know goes by the term of off off balance sheet finance because when you're renting something, you don't have it on your balance sheet. So you could have you could have one piece of machinery you've paid one hundred and twenty thousand pounds for and it's sitting on your balance sheet. You could have a perfectly identical piece of machinery that, that, that you're renting for, let's say, £1,100 a month instead of £1,000 a month. And that's just going through your profit and loss account and never appear on your balance sheet at all. Mm -hmm. And it's actually, it is, it is a long and, and illustrious history of, 
of financing assets such that they don't appear on the balance sheet. But that's a topic for another day. <laughs> so tell me, Richard, where would branding sit? Where would your brand sit? Is that a tangible asset or an intangible asset? Well, branding is an intangible asset, but there are two types of intangible asset. So there are there is goodwill, which I'll describe in a minute, and under which branding sits. And then there are everything else. So on a balance sheet, you just might see goodwill. It is unlikely in some instances, but you might see goodwill and other intangible assets. So those things that we've talked about, patents, licenses, copyrights, those kind of things will be other intangible assets. And goodwill has a little place all of its own. And it has two definitions. It has a real life one and it has an accounting one. And they're not the same. So if we start thinking mostly about real life, goodwill is a phrase for real but nebulous things that you can't specifically identify and separate from the business. So brand value, whatever you mean by brand value. Okay. And some of the things I'm about to say you might include in brand value anyway. But customer loyalty is an asset to your business. But you can't really measure that and you can't value it. The brand reputation, the fact whether or not you're a household name, the public trust in you, but also things like how well you have managed your whole employee relations system and how long-lived your employee engagement is their satisfaction the effect of all the policies you may or may not have had in a business training support etc that means you've created resilience in that business um and that has a value and although you spent money creating it you didn't spend money on resilience you spent money on training so you didn't spend money on customer loyalty. You spent money on quality control, right? So you, you can't then value customer loyalty. and that But that falls under goodwill, okay? Um, and if it's your own goodwill that you as a founder have created in the business, you cannot and do not, and you will never see it sitting on a balance sheet, so this is what you might mean by an intangible, because not only is it intangible, it isn't there. So you cannot see that on a balance sheet. You can, however, come up with an idea of how much it's worth, but it will never be on a balance sheet. However, and bear in mind, you can't sell it. You can't take your business's goodwill and just sell that. But you can take a patent and just sell that. And you can take a plinth or a computer and sell that. You cannot sell your, your goodwill until you sell the whole business. So for many service industries, goodwill, will the owner will perceive as being a really important aspect of what a potential buyer could be purchasing because many service businesses don't actually have so much equipment. They might own the premises, but they don't have that much equipment. It's, it's, it's everything yeah. it, it, for a service business. And any business, you could argue that the whole reason you're in business is to generate goodwill. 
because if if all you've generated is the value of the assets you've bought okay there's value there but you haven't sort of created anything bigger than that so now now we we come to the accounting definition of of goodwill which anybody listening don't write it down because you can probably go and read a different accounting definition but the meaning will be the same and we calculate goodwill by the the premium paid to acquire a business over the fair value of all the assets in the business so i come along and i buy a business for x but the fair value of the assets is x minus y and the difference is the goodwill okay but what is fair value yeah that's yet, that's yet another value and that is despite what i said about depreciation earlier that actually is the value at which you could have sold the assets okay so you're going to take your second hand plinth and your second hand laptop and see what that's worth on the market mm-hmm. and then any more any that you anything you've been paid over and above the aggregate value of all those assets less anything you owe obviously will be the goodwill so how do you put a value on it in the first place when you come to sell your your practice ah well we've done that before valuation of a business is a black art and i should just probably leave it there but let us make an assumption make a few assumptions businesses tend to have a value based upon their cash flow okay based upon plus their asset value so what we're saying what are you doing what are you there as a business to do you're creating cash you like to think you're creating profit but you're really creating cash and depending on your industry and the risk profile and the appetite people have which does vary dramatically a business may well be worth a multiple of a cash flow there are multitude of exceptions to that so when you're in the IT sphere, it may well be multiples of, of turnover, all right? But in our world here, it's generally going to be, what are you actually bringing in? What are you making? And how many years worth of that am I prepared to pay to get this business, all right? As an example, look at a commercial property. A commercial property tends to be valued on a multiple of its rental cash flows. It's no yeah. different, in fact. So if you've got so, a yield of 8%, expected yield of 8%, you'll get 12 and a half times your rent as the value. And it's an inf- quite an inflexible valuation method that's real. So, so the buyer, mm-hmm. once we're beyond the cost of the assets and the value of the assets, of the plinths, the, the equipment, the computers, maybe the property, maybe not the property, what you're actually buying is the accelerated process to generate the cash flow from the business. Correct. So we get some an example. Let's say we have a business whose assets are a combined market value of a million pounds. That's probably not a physiotherapy business. It might be a big one. Um, and let's say it makes 250,000 cash flow a year. And in the mythical industry that we're in, the general valuation multiple is five times. So the sale value would be 1.25. So you've got 1.25 proceeds. You've got a million pounds worth of assets, irrespective of what they're, they're showing on the balance sheet. 
and therefore your goodwill's 250,000. So your buyer can capitalize that goodwill because they have paid for it. They've paid 250,000 for it. Yeah. And they've got one year's accelerate. Well, they've bought, we know that from starts to actually generating that cash flow usually takes far more than one year. But they, they, within one year, they should have been able to, as long as they keep managing that business right, yeah. been able to have repaid the cost of the purchase. Yeah. And, they, and, and let's be clear, they've actually paid you 250000 over that asset value. This is, you know, for anyone wanting to, to not lumps out to me, that's a terrible example. I'm just trying to show you what the difference yeah. is between goodwill and, and, and assets, right? In that instance, they'd probably pay you more. But your goodwill is just the difference between the value of the market value of the assets, fair value of the assets, and the money you get. So and it's you... not it's not fair, really, is it? They can value it and have it on their balance sheet, but you, who've gen- generated it, can't have it on your balance sheet. So tell me, does the database and the services that you provide, if you've decided to put a lot of time and effort into working out how to package your services to meet your ideal client's needs, which again, are not necessarily a tangible thing, would that go on the balance balance sheet as an intangible? Yeah, no, because that's part of your goodwill. You may may be able to capitalise the cost of creating a database, and the actual cost of this, of the software, and maybe you would probably actually run through the PL, the cost of running your database, because that's an ongoing cost. But if that database enabled you to in, to rapidly increase your quality or you know your or your brand value in a way over and above its value that you've paid for it, then that is part of your goodwill. That's creating that sort of super performance of the business. And often people would, they would value that, wouldn't they? They would come into your business. And the fact that you've got such a good client database and it's got functionality and it helps you get lots and lots of repeat business at very low cost and therefore makes you more profitable, which makes you very cash generative, that will drive a valuation of the business based on a pretty low asset value. Yeah. That is creating goodwill and you can't have it on your balance sheet. And you really can't because the obvious question is, well, hang on, if we we have a fairly standardized uh, business valuation methodology, surely I can value my business, compare it to the value of the assets and then say, well, obviously the, the, the goodwill is this. And that's been tried. And the answer is no, because you haven't actually bought it. So if somebody buys your practice and they can put on their balance sheet the value of the goodwill, at what point does it have to drop off their balance sheet? Could, can they keep it on their balance sheet forever because they've no. been... Well, well, yes and no. And and that that I'm afraid that really is an accountant's answer. It depends. It depends on lots of things, not least which country you're in. Okay, so in the UK... Um, it should be amortized over a maximum of 10 years with exceptions, of course. All right. So that's the general rule. Um, there are some rules though, that allow for it to be held until it, it is shown to be impaired. So that, that you, you, you know, there are other circumstances under which you can hold it forever, almost as long as you can keep showing that the value of it hasn't been impaired. 
Okay. So if you went and took took over Coca-Cola, which would be a challenge, but if you did, there's obviously a huge amount of goodwill in the brand value of Coca-Cola. Yeah. And that's unlikely to diminish until somebody, and if there was some enormous scandal over the phosphoric acid included yeah. in Coca-Cola, then maybe it would suddenly not be worth that anymore and there would be an impairment event. Right? But I think you can generally, expect in, in, in the businesses we're talking about, you can generally expect to amortise it over about 10 years. So you mentioned there were two types of intangible asset, goodwill being one. What's the second one? Well, all the others, patents, copyrights, um, uh, domain names, an intangible asset, isn't it? You you buy it, you own it. There is a domain name. It may have some serious value. Look at, look at um, uh, well, there's a good example. So let's look at B&Q. Their domain name is DIY.com which is a pretty good domain name for DIY store. Now, I would suspect when they went back, when they bought it, it probably cost them about, you know, $20 or something. So they can only carry that on the balance sheet of $20. But it's probably got a value. Yes. A, bit a lot more than $20. I suggest if you went to buy it now, it might yes. cost a little bit more. <laughs> All right, But that that's a classic intangible asset. You, you, they could sell it. They can identify it. They can see what they paid for it, but you can't touch it. So there you are. Perfect example. So for the practice owner listening to this, Richard, this could really feel quite um, soul-destroying for them in that they know that the bulk of the value in their business is goodwill. The bulk of what generates cash in their, in their practice is the goodwill. Why would it be soul-destroying? Because if it's soul destroying, then they're looking at the wrong measures. So, in a in a service business, the balance sheet is never going to have much on it, other than possibly cash and investments, depending on what you've done with all the the lovely loot that you've made. Okay, because a service business like 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 ours is always going to be have a huge profit compared to the number of assets generating that profit, because actually it's us. That are, that are the main asset and we're not on the balance sheet, okay? But if we're measuring the business by its cash flow and we're looking at what our business might be valued at as a, as a function of cash flow, that's going to look great. So why would we be, mm. be soul-destroyed? That, that, yeah. That's the question of, of, of measuring the right thing and... and, and um, tailoring what you're trying to measure for what you're trying to achieve so if you're if you're again if you're if you're a service business and you're going out why do we want a strong balance sheet probably because we want to go maybe go to the bank and say would you like to lend me some money to dot 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 fill in the blank right well the, well the, the bank's going to look at the balance sheet and say well you haven't got any assets have you and you'll say no but look how much money i make so they would they would make a credit decision based on loan serviceability, and then you would be they'd be saying, "Well, you made a lot last year. How can I be sure you're going to make a lot next year?" And then you'd be wittering away about the strength of your database and your customer base and the loyalty, and basically actually uh, selling the goodwill 
to the bank mm. without it being on the balance sheet. You'd have to be explaining it, and it shows its value in the fact that you make money. Yes. And Whereas so this is have... where it becomes critical if you're planning on, well, if you're planning, well, anyway, you should be looking after your cash flow forecast and looking after your, your, your cash, but it becomes critical if you're planning to sell your practice in five years time or so that you really start paying close attention to it now so that you can show a good history of yeah. cash generating from the goodwill in you've generated in your business absolutely right i mean let's let's took a, take another example let's say you're a haulage business and you made the mistake of owning all your gear mm. right now you're going to have effectively you could argue a very strong balance sheet you you could you could have so you've owned it all. Maybe you haven't got a lot of debt. Okay, great. You've got lots and lots of assets, right? But you might still not be making very much money, mm. which is not to not to knock those wonderful people driving trucks around the place. But that is actually the reality that they face. They they have hugely expensive assets that they have to have, and they have a very demanding customer base, all, all of whom want the cheapest possible rate. So they, it is a, it is an industry that's asset intensive, which we're not, mm. and very low margin, which we're not. <clears throat> mm. Yeah, and again, you could say it's great; they've got all those assets on the balance sheet. Yeah, but which would you rather have? Lots of assets you've got to keep paying for and maintaining, or no assets? Mm. I, I, I prefer no assets personally. Yeah. So for the clinic owner who's very aware that their practice is built on goodwill. Yeah. actually their job is not to think that the goodwill is worthless when it comes to selling their practice is to be able to show and demonstrate that the goodwill is what generates the generates the cash consistently in their practice and that's absolutely can... right the the key for service business owners and we're, we're drifting away from goodwill now oh, we are but, go on. but the key is to make is to show that that is a business that survives without them mm. because the danger is true goodwill is a business that will survive without them because it's got staff and it's got systems and it's got a brand and it's got a market and people are coming back for reasons <clears throat> other than the founder if the founder is the only person people are coming for there's no goodwill. Well, well, there's goodwill, but there's no sellable goodwill because unless they're staying with it, because it's them. And that's, you know, we talked about this last week. That's about getting around the concept of separating the business from yourself and making sure that, you know, it has a it has a life and a reality of its own outside of you. I mean, one test that um I think action coach it is. They they say that a business isn't a business until you can leave it for six months and it's still there when you get back and still making money through the six months when you're away. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that's a key test because if we're talking about value and what you're selling, what are you selling? Yeah. So you know, so for instance, a sole trader has got nothing to sell other than maybe the assets they've accumulated because people come to see them. Yeah. So you could argue there's goodwill, but there's no sellable goodwill because why would you pay for it? 
Yeah, they've just created their own job. Yeah. And that's a lot of people. A lot of people are in that position. And and so when you say when you talk about the clinic owner who's being soul destroyed by it, that actually is where they get soul destroyed potentially. Mm. That clinic is not something that they can leave and it'll operate without them, then they can't sell it for a premium. They might be able to sell it to somebody who's going to walk in and do their job in it. Mm. They won't be selling it for for a, a huge premium over its sort of asset value because I've got to come in and I've got to do all the work to keep getting the customer. Why am I going to pay you for that? I might pay you a bit for the list of customers that you've got but those customers, if they're going to stop coming because I'm not there or you're not there, then there's not a lot of value to them. The value in those that customer list is the future revenues that they're going to bring mm. without a lot of investment and effort from me or you or the buyer. Whoever. So that's probably, the, for, for, for clinic owners, that's probably the real key point is, is how do you make this a real entity that that has a life of its own outside of you then it's goodwill then there's something for somebody to pay for but you still can't put it on the balance sheet because you have to make sure for it to have value still that you can show that what you've created is generating cash yeah because the valuation you know, yeah, and it's it's a simplistic, you know, that's a simplistic or simplified valuation method, but it still is the point that when you've got um, a value of your business that's over and above the value of the assets, that's your goodwill, and that's what someone else could put on their balance sheet, but you can't. But, you you know, you can get a good feel for it if you know your business well and you know what businesses are selling for and you know what the multiples are likely to be you may not be able to put it on your balance sheet on your accounts that you file at the company's house. But you can certainly keep it on your internal memo yeah. and be thinking to yourself, well, I've got an, an asset value of this, but I think my, so I've got an asset value, you know, half a million pounds, but I think the business is worth one and a half. So the business is worth one and a half. No matter what we call it, which bucket we want to put it in, it's still worth one and a half. And, you know, you could argue maybe we just need to not complicate it. What's it yeah. worth? Yeah. Worth what somebody's willing to pay. Yeah. And then, and then of course, you're back to what, why, you know, what, what's, what is people's, are people's end aims? What are they doing this for? But if they're doing it to sell, then they need to be thinking about what drives a good sale price about five years before they want to sell it, which is exactly where you come in. Yeah. <laughs> exactly and the key things there what you're describing is being able to prove that it generates cash consistently and that as the owner you've removed yourself as much as you feasibly can so that the practice runs right. without your presence required absolutely particularly i would say from a clinical perspective you know if you're if you can prove that that business is now just just i say just that's a bit unfair but being managed by you then it can be managed by any educated manager you know a manager educated in that type of business then you've removed yourself yeah 
you know, you, again, you don't have to have completely removed yourself and be sitting under a palm tree somewhere. But the fact is that you're not necessarily in it. You just, you know, it's the classic. You will spend your time working on it, not in it. Then someone else can work on it. Super. What a perfect place to stop. Thank you very, very much for your insights and your very welcome. Today, Richard. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you grow your practice for free. Firstly, grab a copy of How to Create a Super Successful Practice Plan at markinsmethod.com forward slash grow. And whilst you're there, you can watch the free training to help you tackle the common problems clinic owners just like you face. Thirdly, at marksonsmethod.com forward slash grow, you can sign up for my free newsletter where I send out weekly hints, tips, and links to podcasts and other resources that you might find helpful and inspiring to grow your practice. And finally, please leave a five-star review so I can access more influential guests and speakers and bring their lessons back to you here. I have something really special to offer you. I'm going to be running live in-person workshop. This event will give us an opportunity to meet one another. And during the workshop, I'm going to go through the seven fundamentals of practice profit planning. You're going to understand what it is that your clients really value about what you do so that you can make them an offer and trade your clinical expertise for an income, which means that you have a profitable practice that's sustainable and take home pay for yours and your family's financial security. You'll get an opportunity to meet other like-minded clinic owners. I'm limiting the numbers because I want to make sure that you leave having had an awesome experience and with a complete plan. So click the link below and you'll find the details and I look forward to seeing you there.